This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Mothra Egg Whites. Raised cage-free on the grassy knolls of Infant Island, these morning pick-me-ups are packed with 10,000 grams of protein to start your day off right. Get yours today exclusively at G-Clubs Nationwide. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Steven. Hello, everyone. So, how are things going this week, Steven? They've been going pretty good. I can't complain. It got a little cold this weekend, uh, or this week, I should say. It went from being very warm to very cold, so I don't like when the seasons change so drastically. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I live I live in the deep south. We have, like, two seasons, and that's it. <laughs> we, go, <Yeah. laughs> we go from hot to mildly cold, and then back to hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel oh, it, brother. <laughs> so... Uh, Seems like we got a good response from our episode last week. Um, a lot of people seem to enjoy it. We uh, are so excited to be doing this again and being back, uh, doing a weekly podcast uh, involving giant monsters and stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up before we get started on everything else. Uh, last week we talked about, um, we kept saying Ripley from Metroid and Metroid Prime and all those. Uh, mm. The character's name is Ridley. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think in the back of my head as we were saying it, I was like, isn't it Ridley? And I just kind of rolled with it and wasn't thinking about it. But, yeah, it, but I, I my, think I my had, conscience was bugging me. Yeah, I had it in my head. I was like, <laughs> wait, Ripley doesn't sound right. Maybe I'm just thinking of aliens. And so I'm just, you know, but I just, I was sure. like, well, Ripley just, that's, that's the only thing I could think of. So I was like, no. And then afterwards, nobody said anything so far, but just so we'll clear the air. We are aware it's Ridley. My mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going with the flow. That's all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I just wanted to take care of that right off the bat before we got into the news. So Steven, do we have any news in the wide world of giant monster movies? We do. We've got a few little tidbits of news. Uh, I'm going to start us off with a bit of an update to something I talked about last week because I apparently I didn't go into uh, great detail on, on looking into this just a little bit more. You remember when we talked about that Shin Godzilla watch mm-hmm, uh, yes. and how awesome that was? Okay, well, apparently it's limited edition, you know, because I know we were talking, oh, man, it would be awesome to get a hold of that. Well, it's limited to 650 pieces and that kind of also lends itself to the price tag attached to it. Right, yeah. How much would you pay for this watch? <laughs> you know, because I don't know if I've got uh, 12 grand yeah, to throw around yeah. for a watch. It's a sleek-looking watch, but it is not a cheap watch. <laughs> oh, yeah? No, no. So I'm going to pass on the watch unless uh, something happens and I roll into some money and I can just throw away 12 grand to go to a watch, but uh, I'm going to pass. But anybody who's listening, if you've got twelve grand, uh, it will be available to purchase in November. So good on yeah. you if you can. <laughs> but uh, I don't. 
So, uh, yeah, quick quick update around that watch because uh, that one I started looking into it and I was like, I wonder how much that watch is. And when I saw that price tag, yeah. I was like, okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Shin Godzilla, uh, I don't know about you, but I've always kind of wanted secretly in the back of my head, I've kind of wanted to see Godzilla in real life. Oh, absolutely. You know, <laughs> because it would yeah. be cool, right? So, according to a new report, we may kind of get our wish to a point because the uh, I'm hope I'm going to say this right the Niji Jin Niji Jin I always struggle with these but I'm trying Niji Jin No More Amusement Park uh, in Awaji Island they have plans to build a life size Godzilla attraction based on the Shin Godzilla design which measures roughly or at least what they're saying measures to about. Uh, 55 meters to 25 meters, and that's length to height. And if you're not familiar with meters to feet, it's roughly around 180 feet to 82 feet. Yeah, this thing is massive. They they showed what it's supposed to look like. Um, they also did a uh, scale model of it, and this thing is mm-hmm. huge. Like, it is... Huge. I mean, when you think of... Uh, Disney World and Disneyland and doing the uh, the um, attractions that they're doing right now or, or that they're still building for Star Wars Land, like their whole Star Wars stuff. Mm-hmm. And this thing looks bigger than anything that even Disney World has. Yes. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive what they're talking about doing. I'm eager to check it out whenever they get it done. Uh, I think you even kind of mentioned you maybe would have gone with a different design other than Shin Godzilla. So, uh, yeah, I am not a huge fan of the Shin Godzilla design. Um, mm-hmm. I get it. I like understand what the concept was there, but I'm just personally not a fan of the right. Shin Godzilla design. So for me personally, I would have preferred something more classic. But Correct, yeah. I also understand, you know, this was the most recent Japanese film and it just won a bunch of awards and stuff. So... Mm-hmm. Why not? Why not go with that? So I understand why. Sure. I just personally, I would have preferred a more classic Godzilla design. Right, right. Uh, now, one other thing to mention, kind of, they did show kind of a, an outline of what it's going to supposedly look like, I guess, as they get it built. Uh, it will not be a complete construction of the character, per se. I think it's going to be kind of laying toward on the ground. So right. don't expect it to be standing you know, 180 feet in the air, it's just going to be kind of laying across the ground from what I remember seeing out of the designs that they were pitching. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's only, it's the torso and arms and head, you know, it's, Mm. it's not full body. Um, they did one very similar, uh, back in 2014 when the first legendary Godzilla movie came out. Um, Mm -hmm. they built a, life-size like uh statue of that version of godzilla and it was just the top half just the torso and the arms um so Mm. this is this is similar to that but this is on a larger scale than even that was right so i'm i'm eager to see it not sure that i'll ever make it out that way fingers crossed and maybe one day in my travels I'll, i'll get there but uh we'll see it would be cool to at least check it out but, yeah, uh, yeah. And and the thing is, while this is probably the biggest 
uh, Godzilla attraction that Japan has uh, started to build. It's not the only Godzilla attraction or statue that has been built. In fact, there's quite a few things, uh, quite a few mm-hmm. Godzilla statues, and, and there's a Godzilla slide, and there's a Godzilla... I mean, there's all kinds of stuff like that. Um, even, I think, in Tokyo, uh, there is a Godzilla head that sits on top of one of the buildings, like, mm-hmm. above um, some billboards. So that kind of stuff is out there. So, so while I'm not a huge fan of the Shin Godzilla design, I want a more classic one. There are other designs and other Godzillas around. So it's not like, you know, so, um, so I can't really fault them for going with Shin Shin Godzilla, but I mean, listeners, please go Google this because it is so freaking cool looking. (laughs) It is crazy looking. And, uh, just the just the like one sixteenth uh, scale that they built as a mock up to show what it will look like is so freaky looking and and everything and so yeah. I, I'm excited for it and for sure. yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you I hope that I get to make the travel over there one day to see it maybe mm-hmm. maybe not but it'll be cool either way yeah kind of piggybacking off what you just said where they have other attractions like that that's actually one of the main reasons I'd really love to go to japan is just to see how much they've incorporated because i've heard that that they have really incorporated that character he is so big there maybe not ultraman big as we've discussed but he's he's big enough enough as an icon to the country that they have incorporated him into things i think i even and this was years ago that i saw this that he was actually like a little mock-up that he was part of a, a street light like you had the stop and the crosswalks oh, yeah. and then the green turns Godzilla. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Uh-huh. You know, it's, yep. it's little simple things, but that's cool for me. I mean, they're probably just like, yeah, it's Godzilla, but I think it's awesome. Yeah. Well, I wish we did I, more yeah, of that I, here. Yeah. And, and really, if you go to places like um, New York or you go to uh, L.A., um mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of like characters incorporated into things i mean i know when i lived in minnesota um they had snoopy there were statues and all kinds of stuff all around in fact the mall of america right there in minneapolis used to have a place called camp snoopy which was a theme park they changed it now now it's something else mm-hmm. but it used to be camp snoopy uh and that was because uh charles schultz came from minneapolis or st paul and so they kind of incorporate that so that does happen here but it's usually on a much smaller scale than what japan japan is just they do everything big yeah yeah over there <laughs> that's true <laughs> like I mean, they have the the uh i don't know if it still exists because i think they were going to bring uh take it down but they still uh they had the statue of the gundam mm-hmm. that was life-size uh, and so, I mean, it's just like, it's crazy how they just do everything on these massive scales. Yeah, for sure. So I'm, I'm digging it. Um, the next thing I've got is kind of another update to where we were kind of talking about the Kong versus, uh, or Godzilla versus Kong trailer, not seeing it. There was a tweet floating around last right. week, kind of confirming a few things that we kind of touched on last week, saying that the marketing for Kong or Godzilla. I don't know why I want to say Kong versus Godzilla. I got a, it's a bias thing. We mentioned that. <laughs> Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. They said that the marketing is probably going to be a little bit more unconventional than it was last time because last time 
with King of the Monsters, it really felt like they just were like, Godzilla, Godzilla, Godzilla in your face. And it was just right. heavy marketing, just letting you know the hype was real. And then maybe, perhaps, we got a little overwhelmed by it. That's a possibility. Yeah. So, apparently, Warner Brothers Pictures knows that it was a little bit different last time. And they know that at this point, they are pushing the, the threshold here as to time for the trailer to come out. And they are hoping not to just feed us a conventional trailer. They want to make sure that they come right out of the gate with a hard-hitting knockout trailer that's going to promote what is to be the biggest brawl in cinema. So here's hoping they do that. I mean, I'm excited one way or the other. As soon as I see it, I'm going to be all over it. But I hope that it lives up to the hype that they're building, keeping it away from us. Right. Yeah. And, and and to me, it's it's like Star Wars. You know, when it comes to Star Wars fans, you don't even have to market a Star Wars movie. You just announce when is it coming out and we're going to go see mm-hmm. it because we're of course it's it's Star Wars. We're going to go see right. it. But these trailers and these things are not necessarily meant to get us, the fans in there to see it. It's meant to draw people beyond the you know core fan group and stuff because mm-hmm. like uh with avengers the avengers movies the reason why they make huge amounts of money is not because of the fans alone because there's not enough comic book fans to make these billions and billions of dollars they obviously are reaching an audience beyond just comic book fans right. and star wars too they're obviously reaching a market beyond just the star wars fans and so that's what i think of when i think of the marketing for this movie it's like well yeah i mean we're excited we want to see the trailer because we know the movie's coming and we're excited we want to see anything we can mm-hmm. but we have to remember that the marketing is not necessarily meant for us it's meant for people who are not aware of this movie sure. or who are only kind of aware of this movie mm-hmm. so i still think it is kind of you know like like you said it is kind of getting down to the wire but I understand, you know, this. these trailers are not meant for us, so I'm trusting that Warner Brothers and Legendary, they know what they're doing, and they're going to do a decent job. Like you said, they kind of learned their lessons from the previous movie, mm-hmm. so we'll see. But as soon as it comes out, we're going to be talking about it on this podcast. For sure. I just... I can't wait any longer. I'm just, I'm just so anxious. I want to see something. Just a snippet. Um... Yeah, and and there was a rumor that um, because Empire Magazine was putting out a uh, kind of preview of movies to come in the next year, mm-hmm. and so there was a lot of talk about, well, is there going to be some information in there about Godzilla versus Kong? And when the, when it hit newsstands, people looked into it, and nope, there was no references or anything to it. I so even that. Empire Magazine doesn't really have anything to put in, you know, or had any information about the movie. So. They are really, really keeping a tight, tight lip yeah. on this movie until they're ready. So I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit. I'll, I'll trust that they know what they're doing for now. So we'll see. Um, the last thing that I have is not really news related, but I just kind of wanted to do like a micro review uh, because this week the Criterion uh, Collection released a Godzilla Showa era collection of all 15 movies from the Showa era from Japan. Uh, I got my hands on it, and I'll say up front, it was not what I was expecting in regards to packaging. Uh, 
because when you see it in the you know as they promote it on the the websites and everything you're thinking oh, okay so it's like a little dvd case or whatever and you have all your eight cases in there and you'll have your little artwork right. and whatnot no 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 this thing was a book okay like a huge book and i was like oh okay this because when i got my box it was huge because I went to check my mail and it wasn't in there. And I was like, oh, right. they said it was delivered. Where's my package? And then I go and find it on my porch. And I was like, okay, this is a big box. I crack it open and it's a book. And I was like, oh, okay, this is, again, not what I was expecting. Not complaining by any means. But I also right. don't really have a, I didn't carve out a spot for a book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was just like, I wasn't expecting a book. So now I got to figure out where to put this thing. But despite that, um, it's got a, a lot of information about each movie within mm-hmm. the pages. Again, it's a book. So you have all this artwork designed by various artists. Some of it's a little bit more abstract. Some of it's a little bit more detailed. And I think you can find a lot of it online already if you wanted to see it. Yeah. I was trying to, to hold off because I wanted to kind of be surprised a little bit. But the more I kind of looked into it, I was like, I think I saw a lot of this already. Which, yeah. I'm not I'm not complaining. But uh, anyway, some of the artwork I'm not super thrilled about. Um, some no. of it is really weird looking. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's all it's all cool. But yeah. some of it is a little kind of like weird choices. Yeah, like I said, very very abstract. I think the the one that I enjoyed, like if I had a if I was to pick one piece of artwork out of the entire book, I think it was the one for Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla, was the one. Mm-hmm that caught my eye because it was just, it was so well detailed and just, it was beautiful. Right. It was a beautiful piece of art, you know, and it it did not have the abstract elements that some of the others did to where it was like, this is what art is supposed to be. If you're kind of one of those people. So that's, that's the kind of art I like. I can, I can appreciate abstract, but I wanted something yeah. more like that. And that really, that one was probably one of my favorites. Some of the others, I agree, they were just like, I don't really know what's going on here. But uh, for each movie, they, they kind of do an essay and a breakdown, kind of explaining the movie, uh, a little bit about the process, but I don't go into like huge, great detail. And then there's at least, a, I think it's a four-page, three or four-page essay around the history of the Showa era at the beginning of the book written by a, a Godzilla historian, which I think he actually, I cannot remember his name, uh, Steve Reif. I hope I'm, I've got it right. I think he actually helped early on when they were starting to try to import a lot of the Japanese versions of Godzilla movies overseas here in the mm-hmm. States. He was he was part of that process trying to make sure that it gets done right, it gets done proper. So now having Criterion part of it, they're really taking the care yeah. and and trying to present these movies as they should. They even break down these specs for each movie as to how they were transferred over. I I honestly can't wait to watch the original Godzilla because oh, yeah. the the process they spoke about every inch of grain, dirt, anything. They they finally polished that stuff out and took it out and they they took it from an original print that was about as original as you can get since it's such an old movie. Uh, so it's about the oldest print they could get and really did a polish work on it. So I'd lo- I can't wait to see what that looks like. Uh, I think they said King Kong versus Godzilla worked off of an interpositive, which I actually had to look up what that meant uh, to really make the colors pop. 
And uh, oh, wow. sp- speaking of that one in particular, this was this is one of the biggest features. This is actually one of the reasons I got the set because uh-huh. if you looked into it, they said that the set comes with a or comes with the Japanese version of Kong versus Godzilla. Now, for the longest time, I'd always wondered why hasn't this been released, and I found out years ago that it was because Universal would not allow it because they had their version. That's the version that has to be sold here. The Japanese version can stay over there. So it made me wonder, well, how did they get around this thing? Apparently they found a loophole Mm -hmm. because they released the Japanese version of the film as a special feature. So it's not technically a release per se. It's a special feature of the set. And I was right. like, that is pretty damn clever. So I actually looked into it to see how well they did it. They look like they did, I won't say like a, a massive polish on the movie, but the movie looks great. So, I well, mean, it looked good. good. Yeah, so if you wanted to see that version, don't think you're going to be getting some crappy bootleg copy because I actually had to get a bootleg copy at one time, and it's horrible. But yeah. this this version, uh, I've actually found out it was actually on the, the back of the special features. And again, I can't speak to it specifically to every film as of yet. But they said that every movie has got brand new English translation subtitles. So if you wanted to have the accurate subtitles for each movie, you're going to get that. So that was another positive. Right. And, and there's only... I, uh, was there only three of them? Three or four of them, I think, that has the dub on it. Uh, um, no, there were. I think there were actually more than that. I, there were now there were international dubs for a good portion of them. So that might right. be. But what I, you I, were... it seemed like there was only the the, the majority of the. Uh, uh, I can't even talk. It seems like the majority of them were all in Japanese, and there were a few that offered the English dub. Um, but they were all the, they were not any of the classic uh, dubbed from back mm-hmm. in the day. They were all like newer international dubs, like you said. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'll, I know I'll, some people have said about, uh, have talked about that. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll look into it and, and probably report on it next week just to, to clarify. But from what I remember reading in it, they, they mentioned that a lot of them did have the international dubs, but I... I cannot tell you with absolute certainty without running out of the room and going to grab it, which one right. specifically so, it is. So now I want to ask, um, now this, this, uh, criterion collection, um, has a hefty, well, not hefty. I mean, for the amount of movies that you're getting, it's actually a decent deal, but it does mm-hmm. have a, what was it? $200 American, uh, yeah, price tag. That's, that's retail. I actually got it a little bit cheaper. But oh, okay, that's um, yeah. Do you, in your opinion, because I haven't gotten one yet, um, mm-hmm. do you feel like the stuff that you get from it as a Godzilla fan is worth the money for this particular collection? Yes, mainly because I have wanted pristine, proper prints of every movie, and sometimes when I have purchased them. Especially depending on who the distributor was, I felt like it was not proper. Like they just, like some of the times when they said, oh, it's got the Japanese dub in it. And it's like, yeah, but is it, I mean, what do you, you just throw an, an audio track on there and is it is it the right audio track? Or are you right. just kind of layering it on to whatever you've got there? Because we're not going to know. 
as you know, right. U.S. We're just we're hearing Japanese. You're putting words on the screen. Do I know that it's a proper Japanese dub with Kong versus Godzilla? You know for a fact you've got a completely different movie because the narrative is not the same. Absolutely not the right. same. And there are even scenes in there that I have not seen from the American version. But I will say in saying that, and I don't want to go into great detail here because I'm sure we'll talk about the movie later on, but I will say that there are things about the Japanese version that I like a lot, Mm -hmm. but then I also have things about the U.S. version that I like a lot. And it's, I have this, I'm torn between them because I was like, yeah, but this one does this one so much better and that one does this one so much better. So I'm really torn on a lot of things. It's like I wish I could mishmash both movies together, you know, and turn it into this this better version that takes everything I like about yeah. this one and that one into one. But as a Godzilla fan, yes, I honestly feel like it, it's giving me these the Criterion Collection. They take care of their films. They, that's what they're in the business for is preserving these films as they should be. And the fact that they even went like, I'll be honest with you, I'm surprised we even have this. Because they released right, a exactly cri- they they released a Criterion version of Gojira, I think it was a year or so ago, and I thought that was as far mm-hmm. as it was ever going to go. You know that okay, right. I can understand preserving that one, but every movie within the Showa era, okay, yeah, you know you yeah, sold me. That, yeah, that's that's something that uh, for anyone who's listening who's not aware of what Criterion is, um, the Criterion Collection they they like to preserve old films um, and put them out in pristine condition. Basically, it is to present films as a form of art. Like, they're really about films as a historical art piece. Mm-hmm. And they have, you know, they're all, they always have the, the, like, the very classic movies, the classic movies that are, so significant and so important to history to the art form to all of that and so to have godzilla films be included in the criterion collection really does you know say hey these are significant these are not just silly dumb monster movies that you know only people in japan understand no these are important to cinema as an art form and the history of cinema. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what I enjoy so much about this is that they're, we're getting that recognition and for people who are not Godzilla fans, but are film fans, are cinephiles, uh, they will pick up this collection because it's part of the criterion collection. Meaning so, if you want the full Criterion Collection, you're going to get these so that they, you know, if you're a completionist. Sure. Uh, and uh, and so you're going to have exposed, uh, pe- you know, you're going to have more people exposed to Godzilla than what we've had before. So I think I, th- I, I really I really think this is a good idea. And like you, the way that they the way that they uh, kind of revive the films, make them look better. Uh, mm-hmm. and stuff, uh, and, and really add to the history of it. Like you said, they have like little essays on them and everything. I think it's really interesting. I was just curious. I know from a film fan point of view, I can understand why this would be, uh, 
something that you'd want to get. But I was just wondering, as a Godzilla fan, was there enough there that was worth paying the price for? Sure. Yeah, no, I understand. And um, even in the special features disc, um, uh, I think they, there's eight discs. They've kind of doubled up some of the movies, which I, I guess I can understand because they're not doing a whole lot uh, as far as right. what they're adding to them. But all the special features, there's uh, an interview with, uh, who is it? I think it was Ashira Honda with, uh, mm-hmm. of all people, Yometsu Bana, or Bono, the guy who directed... Uh, Godzilla versus uh, Hedorah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. hilarious because the guy only directed one, <laughs> and Tomoyuki Tanaka was saying he's never going to direct another movie, but yet he <laughs> gets to uh, interview the man who's who's practically responsible for some of the best Godzilla movies. Right. So there was like an hour-long interview with that. There's like an hour-long featurette about unused Toho special effects um, interviews. Yeah, see, that that is really interesting to me too because I mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. That the unused stuff, the behind the scenes stuff. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I think there was a it was a short interview with the guy who played Jet Jaguar, which I thought was kind of neat because oh, wow. he's got a lot of you know feelings about the character and how much he still loves him and it was it was really short i was a little disappointed because i'd really love to hear more about what he had to say but it was still interesting regardless uh but if if you if you're a fan of this stuff yeah absolutely and i even counted just to be sure like what i was upgrading but a lot of these movies are not even available on blu-ray so if you would like to upgrade your stuff you'll get at least 10 new films on blu-ray so there's that plus because 10 of them were not available up until now. Right. Yeah. And and if anybody is not aware, um, which we're going to talk about later on in the episode, but um, the the movies that have been released are the first 15 Godzilla movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that's from the original Gojira that came out in 1954 through uh, Terror of Mechagodzilla. Uh, and I think... So I think total there's actually... 16 movies altogether or 16 or 17 but it's it's the 15 godzilla films plus the japanese original japanese version of king kong versus godzilla and i think they even did uh gojira and godzilla king of the monsters the the american version of that as well so Correct. i think i think total you're getting 17 films yes yeah, yeah absolutely. plus all the special features mm-hmm. yeah you're right so yeah. All right. If you've got that, if you want to get that, I recommend it as a Godzilla fan. But uh, that's all the news I got. All right. Yeah. And like we said, with with uh, while we're still waiting for the for the uh, trailer and more information about Kong versus Godzilla, we're kind of having slow news days. But if we get any news uh, between the time we're recording and the time that we release this episode we'll talk about it next week on next week's episode Mm -hmm. so now let's jump into our main topic for this week our main topic is godzilla king of the monsters a 2019 film directed by michael doherty daughtery i always i always forget how to pronounce his name doherty sounds good (laughs) okay i'll lean into that Um, yeah this is a movie that came out just earlier this year, and before we get do a deep dive into it, 
we're going to talk about, because this podcast is all about the giant monsters, let's talk about the monsters that are in this movie. Mm-hmm. So, we have, this is taken from Wikizilla, uh, Wicca, Wikizilla. Wikizilla. Uh, which is them. a, yeah, it's a Wikipedia for Godzilla movies and, and kaiju movies. And so they do really good breakdowns of movies, and mm-hmm. they also do a good job of listing out like all the monsters that are featured in them and everything. So they're a really good source. So this is where I get this information from. So, of course, as far as monsters are concerned, we have Godzilla, the big guy, mm-hmm. Goji. Uh, we have Mothra, Rodan, King Ghidorah. And those are the big Toho original monsters that have made a return in this movie. Then we have movie uh, monsters that were made specifically for this movie and for the monster verse. So we have Methuselah, which is like a monster that's living under a mountain or kind of a mountainish type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Skyla or Scylla, which is the spider looking creature. That comes up out of the desert. Uh, we have Behemoth, which is the looks kind of like a cross between a mastodon and a gorilla. Um, we have a Muto, which had appeared in the 2014 movie. It is a female one, meaning it does not have the wings. Uh, there's also appearances in stock footage because they show footage from the previous movie, so you see. The Mutos from the first movie, from the 2014 movie. Um, You also see footage of King Kong on Skull Island. And then on the computer screens, they have quite a few monsters that are mentioned and are listed on the computer screen, but are not shown in the movie, uh, including Abaddon, Amaluk, uh, Baphomet, the Bunyip. Leviathan, Mokolem Embe, uh, Quetzalcoatl, Sekhmet, Tiamat, Typhon, and this one is one that stuck out to me, Yamata no Orochi, hmm. uh, which if you look in the movie, Yamata no Orochi, um, that is listed as the site by Mount Fuji in Japan. And any anybody who is a fan of giant monster movies and knows anything about Toho as a company, that's actually a monster that exists in, in you know Toho's catalog. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the eight-headed dragon-looking monster um, that has had, and, we, and we'll get to that movie eventually. But that is that is one that actually is a reference to a previous movie. Um, to a previous Toho movie. That's it as far as the giant monsters are concerned. So now we can get into the plot breakdown. So I'm going to throw it over to you. I'm going to let you do the plot breakdown and we'll just kind of jump back and forth. Okay, do you want an official plot breakdown or do you just want me to wing it? Because I can do both. I mean, I'm prepared for both. Um, what do, what do people want? I guess that's what we want to know. What do people want? Because I can wing it, it. it. It'd probably be more fun to just wing it. I mean, I'll wing <laughs> it. All right. Okay, so what's happening in this movie is Monarch 
you know, that organization from the last movie and even Kong Skull Island, uh, they're, they're kind of studying the Titans. You know, we're learning that there are more than just Godzilla out there. We've got, you know, multiple Titans. They've got a map full. I think they said 17 and counting at one point. So uh, mm-hmm. they're trying to figure out what's going on because there's uh, this kind of this thing going on and they're kind of getting panicked and they're trying to figure out what are we going to do with the Titans and the Monarch or at least Dr. Sarah's always like, hey, we should live with him. And, the, you know, the government's like, ah, no, we ought to kill him because that would be the, the smart thing to do. And then eventually we get this terrorist cell who decides that they have a plan as well. And they're going to try to save the Earth, if you will, by releasing a Titan and their destruction of the Earth will repopulate the earth and make it, you know, wonderful again, and and the greens will come back. But they don't realize that the monster that they are willing to let loose onto the world, King Ghidorah, is a false king, as they called him. And his reign of terror is to just destroy humanity, period. So who is left? He's an invasive species. Exactly. You know, something that they talk about, which I think was really cool. Mm -hmm. Like, he's a virus. So... Who can stop it? Godzilla. That's who. So Godzilla is tasked on stopping King Ghidorah from this mass extinction. And uh, Monarch tries to help as best they can. But, you know, Godzilla doesn't need help. But then he does. And we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's that's the basic plot breakdown. So um, what are your thoughts on this movie? Um... When I first watched it, I'm going to go ahead and just say this up front. When I first went to the theater, because the, the day that it was available to me to watch, I think it was a Thursday night, they had an early showing near the theater that I go to, and I was like, I am I mean, I was psyched. I was ready to go. And then as I was sitting in the theater, I got a phone call, and bad news came through, and I was like, Ugh. I don't know. And I felt like it just ruined my experience because... I was trying to enjoy the film, and I walked out of it not enjoying it as much as I felt like I should have, because I was like, "Did I was it? Did I just not like the film, or was I down on the film? Did the bad news affect? I don't know. I was so conflicted on how I felt about the movie because of everything that happened. So I was like, "All right, well, I'm gonna have to wait again." So when it came out on uh, home video, I watched it again. It has a lot of promise, and I think there were some things that were just kind of dragging me down a little bit. And I don't really think I dislike the way the movie put it out, per se. I think maybe that I was affected by the barrage of content that they pushed out beforehand because I was so rapidly right. eager to eat up whatever you know, trailer they put out, because this even happened to me with uh, the very first Avengers film, is I I just consumed whatever they gave me, and then when I watched it, I wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a terrible movie, but I was just like, yeah, okay, you know, and I think maybe the, the yeah. same thing happened here, is I, I got swept up in all the, the promotional material and everything, that it just took a lot of the wonder and awe of of seeing these monsters together for the first time and American screens, mind you, you know, in this right. in this fashion. And I was just like, yeah, I saw this already because I saw the trailer. Or I saw this clip and I was trying not to, but it got a little difficult because I was so eager to see what they were doing. Um, but that being said, it does entertain me. I am I do enjoy it. 
So I won't yeah. say that it's my absolute all-time favorite Godzilla movie ever, but there are elements to it that I enjoy and I, I appreciate that they did because clearly the director was a Godzilla fan too. And and yeah. not to... I don't want to say this to me mean. Not... I don't really feel like Gareth Edwards was so much a Godzilla fan per se. I feel like he did a few things right, but at the same time... This right. this guy Michael Doherty really felt like he he loved this stuff, and he was trying to do whatever he possibly yeah. could to put like it was his birthday, and he was like, "What can I have? This? All right, I'm gonna put that in that, and I'm gonna put that in." So I really felt like he was he was talking as a fan directing this for fans. Yeah, it it I definitely I get that same sense from it with uh with Michael Doherty that this is a guy who has loved Godzilla for a long time and he finally gets to take his toys and put them on the big screen and and make them fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's how exciting it is. I thoroughly enjoy this movie. I really really do. I think it is a well-done, well-made Godzilla film. Now, is it a good film in general? No, I don't think so. I think it definitely, the things that I've seen critics complain about, I definitely understand. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the, the the plot is a little convoluted, or it goes from place to place really quickly, or the characters are not well developed, you know, as far as right. human characters and stuff. And all of those things are things that exist in other Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. So this is not different from any other Godzilla film. So I definitely think it still works as a giant monster movie i definitely enjoy the fights in the movie the monsters uh i enjoy i enjoy as a fan having all of the monsters there like we talked about with rodan Mm -hmm. and king Ghidorah and mothra but there are times in the movie where i do feel like is this overkill yeah you know it's like i understand you're excited to have all your toys, you know, to play with, but you know, you, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I used to take my toys and just dump them out on the floor and then I would just grab them and play with like, and I would have all of them playing mm-hmm. with, but you still only have two hands. Right. So you're still sitting there only able to play with two at a time. And it just, and it feels like this movie was kind of like that. It's like, well, you can only do so much at one time, but yet there's so many toys that he wanted to throw in there and so i think i definitely think that this movie suffered from a little bit of overkill Mm -hmm. but that being said i definitely definitely enjoy this movie i think it's a good godzilla movie it fits in right with any of the toho godzilla it should be considered just as good and just as well made as any of the toho godzilla movies so i definitely think it is a good um a, a good job at making an american version of godzilla i don't think there's ever been a, another version of godzilla that's been as good as this i can i can definitely agree with that because kind of what you were saying with the reviews and and critic where people are like well they're not doing this and they're not doing that and blah, blah, blah. and it's like have you ever watched a godzilla movie because this is beat for right. beat a godzilla movie <laughs> So I, right. I'm not, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't fall in with the critical 
thinking of, of some people because, again, I don't think they've actually sat down and watched a true Japanese Godzilla film because, yeah, spot on. That's it's exactly everything that it does. It's one of those movies. So right. you're absolutely right. It's a great Godzilla movie. So I can't yeah, fault it I, for I, that. I definitely... I love how they've reinvented the characters of, you know, Godzilla and Rodan and everything. They, they've updated them for a different audience mm-hmm. uh, and they've changed them. But the changes that they've made to them make sense. So, it you know, it fits in with this universe that they've kind of created. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I just watched it today just to have a refresher before doing this episode. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun. I enjoy it. So now um, let's let's we're going to talk about our favorite and our least favorite bits um, of the movie. What what do you want to start with? You want to start with least favorite or favorite? Uh, let's go favorite. Favorites. Mm-hmm. OK, so what was your one of your favorite moments in the movie? I think like one of the very first things in the movie that just it just brought me so much joy was when Godzilla showed up to fight King Ghidorah for the first time and you hear his classic theme and I was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you for giving me his music again. And it was just so bombastic and just... And I was like, yes, thank you. And it was so perfect. Yeah. So I heard that, I was just like, yes, thank you. And, and piggybacking off of that, uh, the Mothra theme too being in there mm-hmm. uh, was yes. fantastic. You know, whenever Mothra would show up, uh, the first time Mothra hatches out of the cocoon, uh, and then later on when she appears uh, up over the ocean, they have that original classic Mothra theme in there, and it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, and as a yeah. Godzilla fan, as a monster fan, hearing those things. There, it's a joy, but also I think they they didn't stand out as weird or abnormal. Like they fit into no. the emotions of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they were. It was the perfect little thing for fans, but well blended into the movie that it didn't seem out of place. They the the those themes are so iconic, especially for us right. that yeah. hearing them. Um, done this way it was just oh god it's perfect yeah definitely um also going along with with what you said my one of my favorite parts of the movie is that first fight between king Ghidorah and godzilla when mm-hmm. king Ghidorah first breaks out of the the ice and he's attacking and then all of a sudden you just you see the blue light you see the blue light underneath the ice and then boosh he just busts yeah. out and they just come together and fight and it's just it's awesome it, it to me i don't think any of the fights in the movie was as good as that first one um even though mm-hmm. the you know there were ones that were good but i think that first fight between those two was the best fight in the entire movie yeah you have any other favorite parts uh i'm gonna have to say Rodan's first flight, like when he got out of the volcano and he was going after the, the, the aircrafts and everything. I really dug that. I was, I guess I've always liked Rodan, um, Mm -hmm. just being one of those characters that 
I mean, granted, he had his own movie and he'd been in other movies. It's not like he was a side character per se, but to really get to see him realize this way on the big screen along with the others, but just seeing they gave him a moment to shine. You know, I felt like he got more of a moment to shine more than Mothra did. Yeah. Because we really didn't get to see her do anything more than just kind of swoop in and save the day or save Godzilla or whatever. But he had his moment where it's like, I'm out. I'm going to wreak havoc. And y'all are gonna have to deal with it, and yeah. it was it was a great sequence to see that. Oh yeah, and I definitely love the military's uh, idea to lead him away from the town by flying directly over the town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like like that was wrong. It's so I was so, that's one of those just like dumb moments that it's there just so you can see the destruction that Rodan yeah. can cause. It doesn't have to make sense, but it's just like. Well, you couldn't have gone the other direction. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There's a whole ocean out here, man. What are yeah. you doing? <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, but I definitely, I'm with you. I love that scene of him busting out of that uh, volcano and taking off and everything. It's just, it's so fantastic seeing Rodan be something more than the rubbery puppet, you know, but seeing him like, actually be able to take out airplanes while flying and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's, it was just, it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, something I really enjoyed about this film and it's not necessarily a specific thing, but I actually love how they embraced the weirdness of this universe because mm-hmm. the first movie, the 2014 Gareth Edwards one was kind of like, well, you know, this is the real world, but also there's a few giant monsters in here. This is like, there's aliens, there's Atlantis, there's Hollow Earth, there's... <laughs> it is just crazy, 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 and I love it. I love that weirdness of everything that they, you know, and, and but at the same time, they also do kind of like explain it on a biological level like some of the titans and stuff like why is mothra so attached to godzilla they know that they have a symbiotic relationship that happens in in nature uh one of my mm-hmm. you know one of my favorite things about uh uh nature or one of my favorite animal duos there's the uh the honey uh honey badger yeah. and then there's the honey scout or i think it's i think that's what's called the honey scout but it's a bird. Mm-hmm. It's a bird that eats honey, and the honey badger eats honey. But the bird cannot get into the hives, but the badger can break into hives and doesn't get bothered by the bee stings. And so the uh, bird will actually signal the honey badger where the beehive is so that the honey badger will tear it apart and get into it and then the bird can eat some of the honey after the badger is done so it's kind of the symbiotic relationship that they have and it kind of like you see something similar to that in godzilla and mothra and so i like that they brought a little bit of nature into this movie about giant monsters and aliens and stuff (laughs) Mm, yeah for sure and and just to say the alien part the fact that they went there Yes, I absolutely love that because I was like, what are they going to make King Ghidorah? And then I said, oh, he's an alien. And I was like, thank you. Perfect. You don't have to say any more. You've, yep. you've sold me right there. So yep. I was he's happy an to see that. species. He comes from, he, mm-hmm. he comes from outer space. <laughs> Do I have to explain any more than that? You said he's an alien. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, something else that I think is uh, 
is really neat to highlight is the female characters um in this the and talking about the human characters i am not a huge fan of the of the main mom character whatever her name mm-hmm. was the one that invented the machine uh yeah. was not a huge fan of her but as far as millie bobby brown she is fantastic she deserves to be mm-hmm. in every movie that she ever wants to be in because she is just a fantastic actress um but you also have the colonel uh i forget what her name was um but the colonel that was mm-hmm. leading the argos i think is what it was called the the big plane uh you had a few other military characters that were female uh and then you also had the uh dr chin i think was her name uh yes mm-hmm. yeah and so you had quite a few female characters none of them were damsels in distress none of them were useless kind of eye candy they all served a purpose they all did exactly what they were setting out to do and they all contributed to the overall plot and while that mm-hmm. seems like oh well that's you know whatever a lot of movies don't do that <laughs> and so the no fact they that, don't yeah yeah and and the fact that they did this in this giant monster movie i think is something to point out and also we have mothra female monster queen of the monsters mm-hmm. is what they call her so there's yeah. that side of things too for sure mm-hmm yeah, Vera Farmiga, her character specifically is not a very, I mean, you, it's, I understand that even by the end, she was kind of right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, your way, your approach to it is, kinda, I mean, you're kind of being terrible about the way you're going about it. So it's hard to sympathize at all because she just, she went about it the wrong way, the absolutely wrong way, despite yeah right or wrong it it was terrible but i mean i like her as yeah, an actress I think, but I think yeah they in really, this... i think in trying to make her more sympathetic they kind of maybe stunted the character a little bit like if you didn't sure. have if you got rid of the charles uh dance or dance uh character of jonah the the um eco-terrorist if you got rid mm-hmm. of him altogether and just had her as the leader of this eco-terrorist group and just have her be full on evil. Like, I think her character would have probably been better, but this effort in making her sympathetic, I didn't feel for her when I didn't, I didn't get her fully like her motivations and stuff. I mean, I understood what she, Mm -hmm. what it was, but I didn't like, I didn't get it. I didn't see the leap from one to the other. And right. Then later on in the movie, at the end of the movie, she has like a change of heart and changes her mind and everything. And then they try to make her more sympathetic. And uh, by the end, you know, when she does the thing that she does, you're supposed to feel bad for her and kind of root for her. And it's like, I don't really root for her. I just don't want her here. (laughs) I'd rather focus. She's not interesting. I mean, even with with the information she had, if she knew that that was going to be the way of things, you mean to tell me she couldn't have spoken with Monarch in some way and tried to explain that maybe there's something we need to do that we could do this in a, in a peaceful fashion as opposed right. to releasing the <laughs> devil incarnate? I mean, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, you're supposed to you're supposed to and also the effort at the beginning to make it seem like she was 
kidnapped and then the turn of finding out that she's and i don't think this is necessarily spoiling anything because a the movie's been out for a while and b they did show the turn from uh being kidnapped to being a bad guy uh in the trailer so but yeah when you when the movie starts you're supposed to feel like she's been kidnapped and being forced into this but then you find out later that she actually came to them and was actually part of it and it just makes her feel almost like a sociopath because here are people that she's working with they get shot they get killed and everything and she just has like you you knew this was what was going to happen this was your plan this was your idea and i don't necessarily feel sorry for you (laughs) no Mm -mm. yeah so but her character is really the only character that i think is like that like i love i love ken watanabe's character oh and i didn't even mention um the the scientist from the first one the female scientist who is uh ken watanabe's partner i can't remember the character's name i can't remember the actress's name let me look that up because that's not right i should Uh, yeah i feel like i've got it right there on the tip of my tongue but i can't yeah i see your face from um shape of water god what is her name graham dr graham of uh, sally hawkins that's her name. Sally Hawkins. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah. She, uh, I, she didn't really get to do much in this movie, um, which is fine because yeah, she, she had, just... she had a lot to do in the first movie. So I guess, you know. Yeah, but her death was so unexpected. <laughs> it was so yeah. quick and like, oh, whoa, wait. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and really when I watched the first time, I didn't even realize that that's who had gotten killed. Like I realized somebody died, but I was like, who was that they got eaten? I did. I lost track of who was who, and then later on they show her like uh, a thing saying that she's deceased. I'm like, oh, that's who died. So I do. Yeah, I I didn't like the way they handled her death. Um, I actually heard they did that on purpose too. <laughs> yeah, for well, for I, that I, s- specific situation that you were like, who just got eaten? No, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. I I get what they're going for. They're going for the shock value of, yeah, anybody can die and it can be just like that. It doesn't have to be a big, you know, huge Sarazawa sacrificing the scene, you know, sacrificing himself scene. It's just, you know, you're dealing with giant monsters. Sometimes people just poof. (laughs) Mm. Um, But yeah, I still I still would have liked to have seen a little bit more from her. But yeah, that again, those these are minor things in a movie that's mostly focused on the giant monsters and the giant monster fights. Mm-hmm. So, um, while we're talking about characters, let's talk about Ken Watanabe's character, Dr. Sarazawa. Okay. So, um, if anyone's not aware, uh, his character is actually a reference to the original 1954 Gojira, uh, the scientist who ends up, creating the device that creates the device that kills the original Godzilla uh, was named Dr. Sarazawa. Uh, he ends up sacrificing himself to be able to kill Godzilla. So th- in this movie, this Dr. Sarazawa is all about saving Godzilla and sacrifices himself to save Godzilla. So, which is a really, it's a really beautiful scene of him down there. And all I can think of when I'm watching it is he got to boop Godzilla snoot. He did. <laughs> he got to boop his snoot. It's just like, I said that out loud. And the person I was watching it with was like, 
what? I'm like, watch, watch. And then he reaches out and I'm like, he got the boop a snoot. <laughs> boop. Oh, uh, so, yep. At least he got the boop Godzilla snoot before he died. <laughs> he did. You know, speaking of that scene, I'm going to I'm gonna throw in, because I, I got a little bit of trivia here, but I'm going to squeeze this in since we're talking about this scene specifically, because I feel like it, it fits. Uh, they said that actually if you watch when he's setting that bomb, he mm-hmm. looks at his pocket watch in that scene. And the time on his watch is the actual time that uh, the bomb went off in Hiroshima. So uh, that's uh, oh, wow. yeah, that's pretty deep. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you didn't know, and then yeah, I mean, also that... his 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 final line to Godzilla, where he says goodbye, old friend, but he says in Japanese. It was actually right. written in English, and he was meant to say it in English, but I guess it wasn't. It wasn't working for whatever reason. It just wasn't fitting. And then when Ken Watanabe said it in Japanese, it was just like, yeah, that's yeah. the way it was supposed to be done. So yeah. do that. And yeah. then it just it clicked. It felt right. So yeah, I thought that was, was those are some pretty interesting bits. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good scene. Really great. Ken Watanabe's great. I mean, I don't think yeah. anybody, anybody who knows anything about his films, I don't think that's a surprise, but just you forget how good he is and how much he elevates movies that he's in. One thing that I thought was really interesting, I just noticed when I was watching the movie today, the in the area where Sarazawa uh, goes and where Godzilla is kind of resting and recuperating, that area is a big temple and stuff. Mm-hmm. The statues at the base of the stairs that Sarazawa goes up actually has Godzilla's head on them. Oh, really? So they're like, notice that. Yeah. They're like humanoid, but they Mm -hmm. have Godzilla's head. And so it kind of speaks to the fact that this temple was actually built for Godzilla. Like this is a place where people would come to worship Godzilla. Mm hmm. And see, and I've heard different I guess different things that assume like I would, I would be under the assumption and I I was when I first watched it, that this would be Atlantis. Like we've already went this far with aliens and and monsters. This is Atlantis. This is what this possibly was. So I really leaned into that, but I thought it was really neat. If you really think about it, if you want to go deep into your Kaiju lore, Mm -hmm. that the only other monster that's had ties to Atlantis would be Gamera. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they would do that, but, you know, if they wanted to throw some money to another company and, and try to lure Gamera over, <laughs> hey, maybe God. give people that fight that everybody wants since, you know, yeah. they've already incorporated Kong in there. Get the, get that one, too. Why not? See hey, what happens. Yeah. I mean, but, who would have ever imagined that we'd get a King Kong versus Godzilla again uh, in the modern yeah. day? So what you know why not <laughs> why not for throw sure. a camera in there i'd be i'd be so, all for it i don't know if that's the case or not i again i'm i'm under the assumption it's atlantis i even heard someone say it was Seatopia, and i feel like that was kind of a reach you yeah know? uh yeah i definitely get the sense that it's it's atlantis or you know supposed to be something like similar to atlantis or you know like an equivalent to atlantis uh, mm. because it is it's an ancient civilization that is sunk into the ocean i mean that's that's Atlantis. Sure. <laughs> um, so now we didn't we didn't get into our worst our, our least favorite 
parts. What are what? Are, I mean, we kind of kind of talked about them because like I ta- I jumped ahead and talked about no, uh, the the main main character mm-hmm. uh, Vera Farmiga, Farmiga uh, mm-hmm. her character. But what are some of your least favorite bits? Um, I mean, again, narratively, I think we really touched on a lot of things that, that kind of bugged me about the movie. As far as trying to find little things that I don't want to say I hated them, but I guess as a purist, you went so far with some things and then you just kind of backed off with others. Uh, when it comes to Rodan and King Ghidorah, I I'm okay with the way their, uh, their roars come off, but I was really hoping they would have incorporated more of the classic sounds into them. To where you heard right. them and you were like, oh my gosh, because Godzilla sounds like Godzilla, Mothra sounds like Mothra, but then the two of them, they're not what yeah. we're used to, you know? And I was really hoping to hear, a, again, not not the, the actual call from those movies, but something very, very close to it where you're like, mm, yeah, that's, that's Rodan and that's Ghidorah, yeah, that's what I remember. So... To me, that was a. They didn't go. They went so far for these two characters, and then not far enough for two others. And it just felt like, why wouldn't you try to incorporate those sounds as well? And even their theme right. songs, for that matter, because you use Godzilla's music, you use Mothra's music, Ghidorah and Rodan have music too, and you didn't use that. So it's it's a minor yeah. gripe, but I was just curious why only go halfway? Why not go all the way? Yeah, I think that might also be a money situation because I know because I, I listened to an interview with Michael Doherty and uh, he was saying people always ask him, well, why didn't you put Anguirus in there? Why didn't you put King Caesar in there? Why didn't you put Gaian in there? And he's like, really, it comes down to money because every monster that from Toho's library that we want to include in this movie, we have to pay for. Mm-hmm. And so we can only afford so much. And every uh, piece of music that we want to include from Toho's library, we have to pay for. And every sound effect that we want to include, we have to pay for. And so there's just there it comes a point where it's like, does it add anything to the film? Can we do without it? Can we just do something on our own that we don't have to pay extra money for? And so I think that might be the reason why I'm with you, though. I like you could have included Rodan's theme in there Uh, would have been nice, would have been nice to hear there, especially Ghidorah's like classic roar would have loved to have Mm -hmm. heard that. But I I really think I think that's the reason why. And I mean, you'd you'd feel like it would be a package deal. I mean, if you get the monster, you get everything that goes with it, because I did hear that very same thing that he wanted to incorporate other monsters. But. They, they couldn't afford the price tag that went along with each one. But if if you bought yeah. Rodan, I feel like you should get everything that comes with Rodan. If you bought King Ghidorah, you should get everything that comes with that character. I I guess, I mean, Toho is probably being smart and saying, yeah, we can, here's a little bit of this, but you also got to pay a little slice for that too. It's right nickel and diming everything, but I guess it's a smart way to go. Yeah, and I think moving forward, with the MonsterVerse movies, we're not going to have as much of an issue with that because uh, Toho and Legendary kind of made a deal where now uh, Toho has actually invested in the MonsterVerse movies. And so instead of having 
Legendary have to go and pay for every little thing that they want to use from the Toho library. Now Toho says, hey, we've invested in these movies, so now we are part owners of it, sort of, uh, or at least, you know, we're an investor in it, a shareholder Mm -hmm. in it. So now Legendary has free access to a lot of those things that they didn't have when they were making this movie to begin with. That would be amazing. I'd really hope to see what they could pull out now. Yeah. So now, you know, like you can throw Gigan in there. You can throw King Caesar in there. You can throw all kinds of things yes. in there. And you don't have to pay the extra amount each time. Mm-hmm. Well, fingers crossed that's the, the deal they made and it'll happen that way because I don't, again, I don't want to be yeah. nitpicky about it, but it's just, you know... You get yeah. you get little taste of something. And you're like, oh, why can't I have that too? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, so I'd say really yeah. that's the only thing that really that really stands out as something that just kind of irks me about it. But beyond that, and the story and everything that we talked about, no, I don't. I I can't think of anything else. Right. Yeah. And and I've talked about like the 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 part that was my least favorite was really it just seemed a little over overdoing it like there was just a little over it was overly saturated with the number of monsters the number of things going on and and it just it 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 felt like because i i definitely believe that a filmmaker can be too much of a fan of something like you want Mm -hmm. a fan to make the movie you know because you want someone who appreciates the source material but at the same time I definitely think that if you're too much of a fan of it or you're too beholden to it, then it's actually to the movie's detriment. A good example of that I can think of is uh, Valerian, yeah. the movie mm-hmm. Valerian that came out later uh, earlier this year, too. Or was it last year? Might have been last year. Um, uh, either way. Yeah, but Luc Besson, who made that movie, like Luc Besson is a great filmmaker. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we... we see fifth element i mean that that movie is fantastic but he was such a huge fan of the valerian and lorelei comic books that he wanted to include everything in there and he wanted to put everything in there uh and feature everything that he's always dreamed of doing and all the things that he's ever dreamed of of including in a movie about these characters and it was just overkill it was overdone, and I think that he didn't take the time to say, hey, I'm a director. I know how to direct. It was more of, I'm a fan of this. I want to put everything that I've ever thought of in this movie. Yeah. And I feel like that was kind of the same thing with Michael Doherty. I still love the movie, but it feels like I finally get to do a Godzilla movie. I'm going to throw everything at the wall, and it's like, no. Take a step back and let your director brain step in and be like, yeah, but would it work to throw everything in there? Right. So I that's the only big, real big complaint I have about it. I mean, there's little minor nitpicky things, like you said, but but that's the biggest thing that I have about it. But overall, I love the movie and I have a rating system that I came up for us. Um, okay. It's uh, I want to give it. Uh, out of five Godzukis, how many Godzukis would you give? <laughs> right, how many Godzukis? Let's see. So I've got to really think about 
like what would be my top one and what would be my bottom rung and where this fits in you know uh hmm uh I'll be generous and give it four Godzukis. I think I'm gonna give it four Godzukis as well because that I, I just I enjoy the movie. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. I understand its faults. It definitely isn't a perfect movie, but as a Godzilla fan, it is exactly what you want from a Godzilla movie. Exactly. And there's no faulting it for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, so, yeah. And if and if anyone is not aware what a Godzuki is, uh there was a cartoon show in the 60s or 70s, I think it was in the 70s, uh that was a Godzilla mm. TV show and Godzuki was Godzilla's little dim-witted uh nephew, I think is what he was supposed to be. Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because um yeah, if you know Scrappy-Doo from Scooby-Doo, He's the Scrappy-Doo of the Godzilla universe. <laughs> and keep in mind, this was also produced by Hanna-Barbera, who did Scooby-Doo and all those cartoons of the time. So this was right. this was a no-brainer for them. It's like, well, we got to have the little sidekick and the little crazy characters and whatnot. So, of course, there's a Godzuki. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I just thought that would be a fun. So from now on, for every movie that we review, that's our rating system. Out of five Godzukis, <laughs> we're going to rate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to do just real quick, um, before we move on to the last segment of our show, I wanted to uh, talk about some of the uh, fun facts okay. about this movie. Because... Of course, there's a lot of references, a lot of winking and nodding, uh, so much winking and nodding (laughs) at previous movies. So I wanted to kind of delve into that. Of course, some of the scientific names for the monsters like Godzilla was Titanus Gojira, uh, Mothra was Titanus Masura, which are the Japanese versions of those names. Uh, uh, Ghidorah was called Monster Zero, uh, which was a throwback to... A movie that Ghidorah had appeared in, which was Godzilla vs. Monster Zero or Godzilla vs. the Astro Monster, uh, which was what it was called here in America, but it was called Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Um, five of the minor military characters are named after famous special effects artists. So you have uh, Lieutenant Botten, Boten, after Rob Boten, who had mm-hmm. worked on The Thing, uh, among other franchises. Uh, you had Cor- uh, Corporal Winston, who's named after Stan Winston, who's famous. You know, he did Terminator, Alien, did Jurassic Park, uh, a lot of stuff. Um, you had Sergeant Baker after Rick Baker, who uh, designed the 1976 King Kong, uh, and among other things. You have Op- Officer Tippett, who's named after Phil Tippett who is most famous for being the guy who failed at his job to let those dinos- and, and let those dinosaurs loose in Jurassic Park. Because if you ever see, uh, it's a meme that's going around in, in, uh, uh, online that shows the credits, and Phil Tippett is listed as dinosaur supervisor <laughs> for Jurassic Park. And it's like, you had one job! <laughs> you let nice. the dinosaurs loose. But no, he, uh, he helped uh, the puppetry and stuff like that. So he's a he's a special effects artist. 
Um, you had an Officer Harryhausen, who was named after Ray Harryhausen, who is a legend in the industry. Um, he's in stop motion. He created the Beast from 10,000 Fathoms, or 20,000 Fathoms, I think, um, uh, which was also the movie that directly inspired the original Gojira film. Uh, he also did Clash of the Titans. He also did It Came From Beneath the Sea. He did, he did a lot of things. Um, so he's definitely a legend in the industry um we talked about ken watanabe's character dr sarazawa being a, a, a direct reference to dr sarazawa from gojira 1954 um the weapon that the military uses to kill godzilla the oxygen destroyer was the weapon that they used in the original gojira 1954 was the weapon that sarazawa had invented called the oxygen destroyer which makes a return in godzilla versus destroya which mm -hmm. is exactly how you're supposed to say that title it's not godzilla versus destroyer it's godzilla versus destroya 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 <laughs> um and destroya destroya the monster uh was actually created by the oxygen destroyer so there's a possible sequel you know, idea for the monster verse because we had the mm -hmm. oxygen destroyer in this movie. We could get destroyer in the future. Very true. Uh, oh yeah, Doctor Chin uh, is a third generation twin. Her grandmother and great aunt are shown in a picture on Infant Island, which Infant Island being the island that Mothra lives on in the Toho Godzilla movies. Uh, and then the fact that they are twins is actually a reference to the Shobajin, or the twin fairies that usually accompany Mothra in all of the Mothra movies. Um, oh yeah, the news articles in the, in the closing credits. All of the news articles. You had uh, one article that actually mentions a Mothra egg that was found. So we have a hint to Mothra coming back in a future movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that article was actually written by a Steve Martin, which is not the comedian Steve Martin, but actually a reference to the character from 1956, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, because uh, Raymond Barr, or Raymond Burr, uh, his character was called Steve Martin in that movie. So it's a reference back to the original Godzilla. Oh, something really interesting, too. Um, pe a lot of people were asking what happened to Kong. What was Kong doing during all of all of this movie? Um, in the novelization for this movie, they do show there's a scene where Kong hears the call that Ghidorah sends out after defeating Rodan and Godzilla. But he basically, I, if I remember right, it's like he can't be bothered by it. Like he wants to just stay on skull right. island <laughs> so let's see oh yeah on the computer screens you see the different monarch sites uh all of them have numbers and uh a lot of those numbers are references to other films so mothra is out as at outpost 61 which is referring to 1961 the first appearance of mothra Outpost 56 is a reference to the year Rodan's movie was released. Outpost 56 was in Mexico, where Rodan was. Outpost 54 re refers to 1954, Gojira, the movie, the original movie. 
Uh, Ghidorah is located at Outpost 32, which is a reference to uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, because that took place in an Antarctic outpost called Outpost 31. So I kind of like the idea that, like, you have all the, you have Godzilla and Ghidorah fighting, but like a few miles over is Outpost 31, where uh, Kurt Russell is uh, fighting The Thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, it's all happening at the same time. Right. <laughs> um, Skull Island is also listed as Outpost 33, which was the year that the original King Kong came out. And so there's a few more of those. And we talked about some of the giant monsters that were mentioned earlier, like Orichi uh, in those. And so now we can move on. We're done with our uh, review. Now we can move on to the next segment, which is our mailbag. We're going to open up our mailbag because even though we've only put out one episode so far, we've actually got a few letters in our mailbag. Do we need a do we need a mailbag theme song like here's the mail it never fails it makes it? no I won't yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop mail. Mail. <laughs> uh yes uh well if anybody wants to do a mailbag theme song for us that would work for us I would love to include that <laughs> and <laughs> we will give you credit every week too um I'm only going to pull one letter this week and because uh, we have a couple of them i'm gonna uh we'll save some of these other ones for future episodes but i have one that was sent to me back or well sent to the podcast um and and oh before i actually read it out if you want to send a letter to the podcast and have it read out on the podcast you can do that at kaijuweekly at gmail.com you can also tweet at us at Kaiju Weekly, uh, and we will take it and read it out. Um, so I mentioned it last week, but this podcast actually existed before this version of it. Um, me and my friend Jake had started this podcast and life got in the way, so we kind of put it on hiatus. And now we've kind of brought it back and renewed it and rejuvenated it. Um, so... This email was actually sent back when it was me and my friend Jake doing the podcast, and we ended up putting the podcast on hiatus and never actually got around to reading the letter. I reached out to the guy who sent the letter to us and asked him, I said, hey, we're restarting the podcast. We're starting new episodes. Is it okay if I read out your letter? It's been a year since he (laughs) sent those letters, so it's a little late. But uh, he said, yeah, yeah, go ahead and read it out on the podcast. So that's what I'm going to do now. And so sorry for it being late, getting to it. Uh, Life got in the way. Podcast went on hiatus, but now we're back. So I'm going to read this. This is from Luke. And it says, hey, Travis and Jake, or now Travis and Steven. (laughs) Uh, Really enjoying the pod. Always wanted to get into kaiju movies. And this has served as the perfect guide. Would be great if you could do an episode breaking down the various eras of Godzilla. And then he goes into because in uh in an episode that me and Jake had done, uh, we talked about the first of the Godzilla anime movies, Godzilla Monster Planet, or no, Planet of the Monsters, I think is what it's called. Uh, and talks about that. And then he also uh, recommends that we check out Gurren Lagan, 
or Gurren Lagann, which is an anime series that has giant monsters and giant robots. Uh, okay. Says the giant monster doesn't show up till the end of this uh, till the end, unless you count regular sized monsters in giant robots. He says, I wouldn't expect you guys to watch a whole anime series, which is where the movies come in. The series is compacted into two movies that are a combination of edited moments from the series and newly animated sections, such as compacting fights against Lord Genomes, three generals into massive fight. Uh, the point being, don't worry about maybe. No, it says uh, the point being, don't worry about being lost uh, on the finer points of the plot, as these movies are mostly to show off the new bits. Uh, so, yeah, Luke, we will add that to our list of things we can check out. Uh, we'll either check out the series, uh, one or two episodes of it, or we'll check out the movies. Um, and he says, keep up the good work from Luke. No, oh, thank you, Luke. Yeah, and thank you for that. Now, he uh, in the email, he also mentioned uh, maybe we could do an episode about the various um, eras of Godzilla. Mm-hmm. We can do that. We can make that an episode in the future. But I just wanted to kind of touch on it a little bit, maybe do a little breakdown here, because this week actually is the 65th anniversary of Godzilla. Mm -hmm. So it's the perfect time to and also because we talked about the Criterion collection coming out. uh, It's the perfect time to kind of bring up the idea of, you know, the different eras of Godzilla. So what the different eras of Godzilla are is uh, it's based on the political system that's set up in Japan. So it's almost like if you're from America, how you might say something is a Reagan era thing or a Nixon era thing. Like we kind of associate certain uh, presidents who are uh, in power, you know, in the office at the time, uh, with a certain era that's kind of how they do in japan uh the first godzilla movie came out in 1954 it was kind of during the showa period and all of the first 15 movies came out in that period of time when japan was in its showa period and so they're usually classified as the showa godzilla films and then after godzilla uh, or terror of Mecha Godzilla, Toho, the company that has, you know, that owns Godzilla, decide to put him on hiatus. And so, anytime there's a long hiatus, that's usually kind of the signal of an end of an era. So then Godzilla came back in from what was it, 1976, 74, something like that. Uh, and then in 1984, 85. They brought Godzilla back, and that was the beginning of the Heisei, or Heisei, or Heisei, however you want to say it. I don't really know the proper pronunciation. I just say Heisei. Um, That's kind of the beginning of the Heisei era of Godzilla, and so that's also sometimes called the Versus era, because uh, all of the movies are Godzilla versus something. Mm -hmm. So you have Godzilla versus Mothra, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, all of those. And then that series of movies ended with Godzilla versus Destroya. Destroya. And that was in the early 90s. And then they decided to put Godzilla on hiatus again. They were actually planning on Godzilla being on hiatus for a while. But then in 1999, 
to 2000. They decided to bring Godzilla back. And so because they brought Godzilla back for the new millennium, they decided to call this next series of films the Millennium Era. And so those all, all of the movies that came out in that time period are the Millennium series. So that's uh, Godzilla 2000 through Godzilla Final Wars, which came out in 2004, I, th- I want to say. Mm, 2004, 2005, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, because it was the 50th anniversary. Mm. Uh, it, it coincided with that. So so then when Godzilla Final Wars came out, they decided to take a hiatus for a while. And it wasn't until the uh, movie that we talked about earlier, Shin Godzilla, uh, that they brought Godzilla back, which Shin Godzilla came out in 2016. So from 2004 to 2016, Godzilla was on hiatus. And then 2016, that was the first Japanese Godzilla movie to be made. And so Toho has recently announced that they are calling this period of Godzilla films the Reiwa period. Because that's the political uh, title kind of for the era that that Japan is in right now. So Mm -hmm. that's that's the Reiwa era uh, era that we're in. Uh, So that includes Shin Godzilla. That's including the MonsterVerse movies. So like the American-made ones don't usually count towards them. But you can if you want to because they kind of fit into that same era. Um, But also the anime movies that have been released on Netflix. And any future movies that Toho is going to make coming up soon is going to be considered part of the Reiwa era. So that's just a quick breakdown. Overall, there's been 35 Godzilla movies, Japanese Godzilla movies. So uh, those are split into those different eras. And so sometimes you'll hear me or Steven reference like the Showa period or the Heisei period. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a specific era or time period of Godzilla because usually the design for Godzilla stays consistent for that period and they'll change the design for Godzilla when they come back from a long hiatus. Right. So like the Showa period, those first 15 films, Godzilla's suit and design didn't change much. It changed a little, but it didn't change much. So that's why we can kind of classify them all in one chunk because the design was all the same. Was there anything uh, you wanted to add, uh, Stephen? I'm sorry for kind of dominating. <laughs> no, I think uh, you've covered most of it. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry for dominating. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, if you enjoyed this episode or you are enjoying the podcast please make sure to leave a five-star review on itunes because it really helps us out helps us get discovered by more people if you want to leave a an actual review on there we will read it out uh and so you know as soon as we start getting those coming in i'll read them out here on the podcast uh, again if you want to send us an email you can do that kaijuweekly at gmail.com you can also tweet us at Kaiju Weekly, and you can check uh, Stephen out on his podcast, his other podcasts. I'll let you uh, share your little 
things about your other podcasts. <laughs> that is uh, Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. We talk about video games normally. Uh, comes out every Monday. It's found on all your major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, and even YouTube.com slash Pencil Paper Productions. Yeah, and it's a really good podcast if no one has, or, or if you haven't listened to that and you're listening to this, go listen to that one because it's a good. And you guys just did your, what, 103rd episode? Uh, 103 will be, well, yeah, it would be 103 by the time this comes out, so yeah. Yeah, so that is that is amazing. So we're hoping that Kaiju Weekly gets to that point. Sure. Um, and I mentioned last week how I was going to start doing trivia questions for uh the to kind of hint to the next movie that we're going to discuss so let me do that right now let me this movie that we're going to talk about next week is cited as being a direct inspiration for godzilla ishiro honda the director of the original gojira cites this movie as a direct influence on the creation of godzilla what movie is that? So that's the one we're going to talk about next week. And if you want, you can tweet us or email us what you think the answer is. And we will read out anybody who got the answer right on at the beginning of next week's episode. Is there anything else you want to say, Stephen? No, I just hope everyone's enjoying it and getting all your monster fixes in. And hopefully it'll... Uh entice you if you're if you're not too much of a big kaiju fan to go out there and check these movies out all right well until next time uh i i want to close out the episode by saying uh help control the giant monster population have your kaiju spayed or neutered <laughs> <laughs> is that a good sign out <laughs> i mean i guess i mean i would love to see someone neuter a a, a mothra or a something that would be fun <laughs> Uh, neutering Godzilla. Godzilla would mm. not be happy about that. <laughs> no, no, probably not. Okay, well, see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.